everyone, and welcome to another edition of Simplifying the Sod. We are this week in the Perasha of Chaye Sarah. We've already posted a couple of amazing classes, uh, at least on Chaye Sarah, if you have time to go. The one class uh, was where was uh, Yitzchak Avinu, uh, Isaac, at his mother's funeral and what really happened at the Akedah. And the uh, another class is on... Uh, on Eliezer, who uh, we say as a Kanani is cursed, and the curse is lift and lifted, and he becomes blessed on how someone can lift a curse and turn a curse into a blessing. Uh, I want to talk about now a concept of Ayin Hara. I don't, I'm not going to focus so much on the totality of Ayin Hara, but we see Ayin Hara and how Ayin Hara relates to, in this week's Perashat, this number 400 and Efron Hachiti. We see that Abraham Avinu has gone through this gut-wrenching test of the Akedah. He returns home to his lifelong partner, Sarah Imenu, and he discovers that in his absence, Sarah has passed away. Although Hashem promised Abraham the entire land, from the north to the south, the east to the west, everywhere you're going to walk, at this moment, Abraham Avinu doesn't even have 20 square feet uh, where they say a burial plot to bury his wife. So he approaches the locals and he asks for permission to bury Sarah in Marata Machpela. Now the Midrashim tell us, and uh, they vary in, in how Abraham discovered Marata Machpela. So, uh, many have it that uh, when he was chasing the, uh, the Bakar the, to feed the. Uh, to feed the guests who came to visit him uh, uh, last week, he runs after and he discovers uh, he discovers the Marat Machpela. Now he comes and he wants to buy it, and Efron, who seems to be the representative or seems to own that specific piece of property, he makes an empty offer to Abraham Avinu, and he basically tells him, you know, Fadal, take it for nothing. You could have it, right? And uh, Abraham, he wants to buy it. So Ephron, he makes him an offer. And he tells Abraham, between you and me, land worth 400 silver shekels. Between us, what is it? Go and bury your dead. So our rabbis explained to us that this was an exorbitant price. But Ephron was going to play with uh, Abraham. Now what does Abraham do? Vayishma Abraham el Efron. Abraham hears Efron. And all of a sudden he doesn't bargain back. He doesn't say anything. Vayishkol Abraham le Efron. And Abraham counts out to Efron. Et ha-kesef asher diber ve The amount of money, the silver, that he spoke about in the ears of the benechet. And how much was it? Again, we say the amount. Arba me'ot shekel, 400 shekel, kesef of silver, over la socher, the special ones for the merchants. That's interesting. We see Efron's name is spelled throughout the perasha as five letters. Ayin peyresh vavnun. And one of the ideas that I saw brought was, Efron is saying, listen, Abraham, me and you, the middle letter of each of our names is a resh. Abraham, Aleph, Bet, Resh. Efron, Aleph, Bet, Resh. Resh is 200. 200 me, 200 you, 400. That's how we do it. 
But the Baal Turim sees some significance in the fact that when Abraham, by Yishkol Abraham Le'Efron, when he's counting out to Efron, in that case, the name Efron is missing the Vav. He's missing the Vav. And the Baal Turim says, this word Efron, the way it's spelled without the Vav, has a gematria of 400. And he says the same, the same gematria 400 relates to Ayin Hara. To Ayin Ra. Ayin, I, Ra, bed, evil eye. Uh, the Kliakar gets really more deep into this. And the Kliakar, he says the name Efron is missing a Vav in this case, this one case. And he quotes the Baal HaTurim. And he says again that the name Efron without the Vav is 400, which equals Ra'ayin, Ber'ay. And he says the reason for this comes from a statement in the Gemara in Baba Batra, which tells us that whoever gives a coin to a person, someone who gives tzedakah to a poor person, he gets six blessings. But whoever is stingy with the poor is not blessed with those six blessings. And he says, this vav, it's for this reason that Ephron lost the vav, as he was a stingy person. So he lost six blessings. A stingy person loses the blessings. He quotes further, the Gemaran Sota, that we give a glass of blessing to a generous spirit. And he sees, he says the Pasuk states, Tov Ayin Hu Yevorach. And he says, it says, the, good, the one with the good eye, Tov Ayin, Hu Yevorach, he should, he is blessed, Hu Yevorach. And he says, no, we see from the Gemara, Tov Ayin, the one with the good eye, Hu Yevorach, he will bless. He's the one who's going to say, Birkat Amazon, and we give him the Kos Shel Beracha. He says, both the literal reading and the way it is read are true. Someone who blesses others generously will be blessed with six blessings. And there we see, Yevorach, he will be blessed. And this is the idea of the Vav. Furthermore, he continues, he says, and we know that this 400, again, as the Baal Turim quoted, is Ra'ayin. And he says there are specifically four different places with regard to stingy people. The first is Efron, who was stingy and therefore took 400 shekels, 400 silver shekels. The second place, he says, relates to Yosef and his brothers. The brothers of Yosef, the Shevatim, had a bad view of Yosef, who was Yosef HaSadiq. They were jealous of him because of his coat, the coat of many colors that his father gave him. And the result of this was being exiled for 400 years as strangers, affliction, and servitude. We ended up in Egypt for 400 years or 400 years from the birth of Yitzchak until we're freed because of the sale of Yosef HaSadiq. He continues, and he says, The third place relates to Esav, who had a bad view of his brother. He was jealous of him because of the blessings which Isaac blessed Yaakov. 
And it's interesting, he says that Esav has this Ayin Hara. And you see that he came with 400 men, which again relates to this idea of Ayin Hara. But Yaakov Abinu separated the flock space by space to fill the eyes of that evil man. We see the Pasuk tells us that the Malachim returned to Yaakov telling him, Esav, your brother, he's coming toward you with 400 men. Magid Mesharim, he comments, and he says that not only is he helping and supporting those who are pursuing the pleasures and lusts of this world, but he's also acting against those who wish to come close to Hashem and fear Hashem. He acts against them to try to turn them away from the good path with 400 men. And the Magid Mesharim says the number 400 refers to the Ayin Hara, the Ayin Ra, which equals 400. The Kliyakar, he continues, the fourth place relates to Naval. Naval was the first husband of Abigail, and he was very stingy with regard to David HaMelech and didn't want to come to help and give bread. And it was for this reason, he says, that David HaMelech approached him with 400 men. So we have these four cases that are brought by the Kliyakar. All relate to this 400, this aspect of jealousy, stinginess, and the aspect of Ayin Hara. For, for the last couple of weeks, I was intrigued by this idea. What is this idea of 400? How does 400 relate to the Ayin Hara? And how it started was, uh, two weeks ago, uh, Baruch Hashem, uh, my daughter-in-law, Lauren, she gave birth early in the morning. And we were all in the city. So I went with uh, my son Jonah, his father-in-law Morris, and me. We went to Safra. And uh, my son was going to name the baby that morning. Now, we were right then, right before we changed the clock. So you had to wait a little bit before you could put on your talet and tefillin. Rabbi Ariel Mizrahi, he walked in and he told me, came over to me. He says, you have to look at Rabbeinu Bachia on the 400 years. So I quickly opened on my phone Sepharia. I opened it to the Pasuk. I went to Rabbeinu Bachia, and I was very, very intrigued. And I ended up giving a class at Seudah Shalishi, but I promised to look more into the subject. And I realized that we're going to come to this week's Perasha, where it's, it's discussed, and we'll have a little bit, little bit more information. So one of the interesting things is, we're going to see, we're going to go look at the Rabbeinu Bachya inside and see his explanation. He says, when Hashem tells Abraham Avinu, Yadoa teda, you should know, certainly know, that your children will be strangers. He says, according to the plain meaning of the verse, they're going to spend 400 years in a land that is not theirs. But he says Hashem didn't tell him specifically how many years are going to be spent as slaves, how many years at hard labor. And then he quotes Rabbi Abraham ibn Ezra. He talks about the 400 years and he says, do we know when it would begin, when it would end? And he says, it's not clear. It's not clear. But then he says, but where does the 400 come from? 
Why specifically 400? What does 400 have to do with the man in the moon? So he says, you're going to find the number 400 is prominent in matters concerning Ayin Hara, the evil eye. He says, the numerical value of the words Ayin Ra is 400, which we saw from Kliyaka, from, from, uh, from uh, Baal Turim and Kliyaka. He says, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the letter Tet, Taf, equals 400. As such, it embodies all the letters in the alphabet. Similarly, he says, Ayin Hara is an all-inclusive, destructive concept. He says also, seeing that the letter He was added to Avraham's name. So we had Avram, and Hashem added the letter He. And he brings that this represents the attribute of justice. We're going to explain this a little more, because it's a little difficult to understand. He says the evil eye gained power over him and the attribute of justice decreed exile on his descendants for 400 years corresponding to the Ayin Ra, he says, which is the eye of the Satan. He says, we may now understand the words Yadoa Tedaki Geri Yezaracha he says, the ones who will be born as the result of the letters He, which were added to Abraham and Sarai's name. That's why Ben Israel are known as Ben He. We see in the, in the uh, and we, we had a class where we discussed it, we see in the Pirkei Avot, we have uh, Ben He He. Ben He He is, uh, is a Ger. And this Ger is, why Ben He He? Because this Ger, he's the son of Abraham and Sarah. So he says, this hey, as a result of this, they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. And then he also confirms, you're going to see this number with regard to Ephron, and you see the evil eye with Ephron. He says, you're going to see it again. You'll find it again with Esav. And he, uh, he, he based his success in life on the on his father Yitzchak, who represents this attribute of Deen, of the, what we say is the left side. And Esav, also he possessed this Ayin Hara. And the Midrash tells us that he, that, that in Bereshit Rabbah, that that was the reason, like we mentioned, that, that Yaakov spaced the gifts, so, because the eye of, of Esav would never be fulfilled. So a little bit to, to try to understand what's going on here. You know, we grew up with Hamse, Hamse, uh, Fin Ladu, this whole idea of five, five being the evil eye. Now we're hearing from Rabbi Bachya, from the Kliyakar, from the Baal Haturim, that really the Ayin Hara, the Ayin Ra, is locked in this number 400. And we're told that the evil eye destroys everything. So, we're trying to understand what, what's going on here. Where does the taf fit in? Where does the hay fit in? How does the hay, how does the hay signify the midat hadin? Let's start with that, and then we're going to go to the taf. Because I think, even though we're saying that the hay and the hay bring the attribute of justice, I think the 400 years that is 
put on to Abraham is, as we saw from the Kliyakar, and as we're going to see, is really from the jealousy of the brothers of Yosef towards him. So, we see the letter Hey, and we're going to see also how this relates to Yosef, is made up of the letters Dalit and, and Yud. And these are the t- last two letters of the word Shakai, the name of Hashem, the name of Hashem Shin Dalit Yud, which we say Shakai. And we know the rabbis teach us that this is was used in the creation of the world, where Hashem said, She'amar le'olamodai, that he said to his world, enough. And he created a gevul. So dai represents this aspect of gevul, of a border of limiting. If we look at the Shem Havaya, we also see we have a yud and a hay, and a bav and a hay. The upper hay, we know, refers to Bina, which is on the left side, or on the side of Din or Gvura. The lower hay is Mahut, this is the vessel. This is, the, this is all that catches all. So we see this letter hay represents an aspect of Gvura and an aspect of the vessel. To go back to the Taf, we see the Taf, is the last letter of the alphabet. And Beracha, for Beracha is an expansion. Beracha always relates to continuing on, moving forward. Whenever we have a stop, we have a stop in some way of the Beracha. The letter Taf being the last letter, stops. We see also that we have five negative forces in the world. The rabbis tell us that when the Nachash when the original snake, when he saw Adam and Hava having relations, he was infected by the five negative sides of Man Sapach. Man Sapach are the negative forces represented in the end letters of the Hebrew alphabet. We have 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and then we have five Sofit letters, five ending letters. These are the Man Sapach, a Mem Sofit, a Nun Sofit, Sadik Sofit, Pei Sofit, Chaf Sofit. These are the five negativities. We discussed also before that we have to eradicate these five negativities from the world. And they begin with the Avot. When Hashem tells Abraham, Lech, go, Lecha, to the Chaf Sofit, what are you going to do? You're going to eradicate the negativity from the world from the Chaf Sofit. Why are these five, again, which relates to five, which relates to chamsa, which relates to hay, why are these five negative? Because they stop. They don't continue. And a beracha needs to continue. The taf stops, it doesn't continue. The beracha doesn't need to continue. And in a way, when we say the dalad yud is a border, it doesn't continue. The machut is a border. Then what do we say? There's where we see the deen aspect of this hay. But I think we have to understand with regard to the 400 years of Avraham, we have to go back, like we said, to the Kliyakar. We told the story a number of times, there's a king, and this king wants to build this beautiful, beautiful wildlife preserve. And he builds this wildlife preserve, and he has in it uh, jungle and animals, and he builds this beautiful lagoon, and it has all uh, wildlife and crocodiles and everything there you could imagine. And he's taking his nobles for a tour of this beautiful preserve. 
and they're standing by the small fence around the around the lagoon, looking at the the crocodiles in the distance, and all of a sudden, his little daughter is is leaning over the fence, sitting at the top. She falls in, and the king says, "Please, please, someone jump in and save my daughter. Anything the guy wants, who saves my daughter." A couple of seconds later, a guy is in the water. He's grabbing her, he's handing her out, he's climbing out just as the crocodiles are coming to attack him. And they all uh, dry him off and he's standing there, he's totally out of breath and the king is so happy, he gives him a hug, you saved my daughter, thank you so much. Anything you want, tell me whatever you want. And he turns to the king, he says, your majesty, I just want to know one thing. And the king says, what, anything? He says, who pushed me in? Who pushed me in? We end up in Egypt for 400 years, but who pushed me in? How did I get there? Rabbi Abitan used to tell this story and he used to say, we have to remember that we got there because the brothers sold Yosef. And that was one of the reasons when we leave, we have the aspect of dipping the blood because we remember just as the brothers dipped the coat of Yosef in the blood of the goat to show we dip the blood also to remember that that's how we got there. Now, Yosef HaSadiq, how does he go against the Ayin Hara that his brothers put on him? Now, we have to think, even good people could put Ayin Hara, it seems. We saw in Parshat Lech Lecha, when we were looking at this, it was very interesting to me. When the whole thing came up, we saw in Lechacha that when Sarah sends away, when, when Sarah sends away uh, um, Hagar, we see that Hagar was pregnant at the time. And Hagar miscarries. And Rashi tells us what happened is Sarah put Ayin Hara on her. Hagar was looking jealously at her mistress and saying that she's the real wife and that Sarah shouldn't be there. And Sarah sent her, Abraham sent her away, and she miscarried. We see again that later on when Hagar gets pregnant again and has Ishmael, and after Yitzchak is born, and Sarah tells Abraham to send away Ishmael and Hagar, we see Ishmael at the time had to be 17 years old or so. 16, 17, what's going on? She's carrying her son. And we see again that he became lame. Why? Because of the, the, the Ayin Hara of Sarai Menu. So we could see that the, the brothers had an Ayin Hara towards their brother Yosef. How does Yosef overcome the Ayin Hara? How does he overcome it? Because we see that when it comes to Yosef, there is no Ayin Hara. Yosef is protected from the Ayin Hara. We say about Yosef, That he's like the fish under the sea, that the Ayin Hara doesn't affect. We know that when Yosef is in Egypt, he's constantly focused on the name Elohim. Elohim, when he's going to uh, deliver the, the, uh, the message of the dreams, interpret the dreams to Parah, he says, it's not me, it's all Elohim. Elohim will explain so Yosef 
when his brothers come, he's referring again to Elohim. I fear Elohim. Elohim, Elohim. How do we understand it? Yosef HaSadiq represents the Yisod, the foundation of the world. He is the Mefanes Olam. He's the one who is supporting the whole world. And we know that the blessing of Kel Shakai, Kel Shakai, we see how Hashem blesses the Avot, the Kel Shakai. Kel Shakai has to do it with a blessing of Shefa. Shefa of light, however we're going we're gonna to translate it. The Shefa coming from heaven. And the question is, if Kel Shakai represents Shefa, how do we access it? How does Yosef HaSadiq access this Shefa? Because he requires this Shefa. And the answer is through Dai. So we said before Dai, what does it represent? We take about the Dai being the two letters that form the letter Hey. If you look at the letter Hey, it's formed from a Dalit, it's formed from a Yud. The Dalit on the top right, the Yud, the little leg on the left. But we see the name Shakai, the Dalit Yud, as we said, represents a boundary, a Givul. In one way, this Shakai, this Givul, is a way to catch a blessing. And the rabbis explain that if a person wants Shefa in this world, what does he do? He has to create the Givul. Without a Givul, there won't be Shefa. Without creating a Givul in our lives, we cannot access the Shefa. Maybe what it is, is the Shefa is going to come and go straight through. We don't have a way to catch it without a Givul. Now, how do we do it? We have to create Givul in our lives. What is Givul? Givul is an aspect of self-control. This is the aspect of Yosef HaSadiq. And this is the aspect of Givurah. Givurah relates. So I find it interesting that whatever we have that we could say could be for the negative. In one way we're saying the the hey, the Givul is allowing the Ayin Hara. Also has the positive side on the right. Now if we look at this name, Kel Shakai. The Shin and the Dalid and the Yud of Shakai, the numerical value is 314. This is Yosef. 314 is Yosef bringing Shefa to the world. But how does he combat the Ayin Hara of his brothers, which is 400? Even though Yaakov uses Kel Shakai, Yosef HaSadiq uses the name Elohim. And Elohim has a gematria of 86. So if we take the 314 and we add the 86, together they're the 400, which combat the jealousy of the Ayin Ra, of his brothers, which was the 400. I thought this was amazing because when we talk about the 400 and we talk about Egypt, how many years in Egypt was the hard labor? The hard labor in Egypt, we're told, was based on when Miriam was born. Miriam is from the word mar bitter. From when she was born, the hard labor began. How many years from when Miriam was born until Yetziat Mitzrayim, the Exodus? 86 years. 86 refers to the Elohim. 
So the 314, they weren't. So out of the 400, we only had 86. The 314 relating to Kel Shakai, relating to Yosef, relating to this aspect of control, protects. It's the 86. But it's Yosef brings the 314 and the 86 together, the 400. So one of the ideas is if a person might feel Ayindra, what does he do? He thinks of these names, Kel Shakai, I must establish a border, and he relates it to Elohim. And these 400 will overwhelm Bezrat Hashem, the 400 of the negativity. It appears to me that from what the Kliyakar is telling us in these three incidents, and Rabbeinu Bachya is telling us in these three incidents, there are three types of jealousy or evil eye source in the world. Yosef and his brothers, as we mentioned, they're jealous of the honor. And this is why the Ayin Hara of the 400, and we end up in Egypt for 400 years. This is why the prophecy to, Hashem, to Abraham is, your children will be for 400 years. Let's look at Esav. Esav is coming, and he's coming to see Yaakov. And he sees something that makes him ask, who are all these to you? Who are all who to you? And he's referring to the Nashim. He sees the wives of Yaakov Avinu. And he's looking at the Nashim. Nashim has a gematria. Nun is 50, Shin 300, Yud is 10, Mem is 40, 400. His Ayin Hara is going on the Nashim. His jealousy is a jealousy of Ta'ava. And therefore we can better understand why would Yaakov Avinu go so far as to place his daughter Dina in a box? Because he didn't want the eye of Esav to touch him. And it's also interesting that when he finally is willing to leave, it's only after Yosef is born. And even though Yosef is a young boy at this point, maybe seven years old, he's standing in front of his mother in the scene. Because it's Yosef who's the antidote of the Ayin Hara of Esav. We see further that when Pinchas, when he kills, he kills the eye, we have an interesting word. The, the word is lehifalel. It's missing. Instead of lehitpalel, we have lehifalel. What, what's going on? What is that, what's that word there? Why is it missing the taf? And it's missing the taf because the 400th of Ayin Hara was this set, the ta'avah of sexual desire and it's that which Pinchas is the one who kills. Pinhas gets rid of the taf, which relates also, we say always Pinhas relates to Yosef. And this is the power of 400. This is the power of 400. It's interesting also that we saw this, this 400. I, I remember that the story, remember when they come to Hillel, they're going to come in, they're going to make Hillel angry. And they make a bet. And they're going to go to Hillel on Erev Shabbat when he's in the bathhouse and they're going to bother him and see, can you make Hillel angry? What was the amount of the bet? 400. 
400. So we have this jealousy first of the jealousy of honor. We have the jealousy of ta'ava and then the final jealousy is the jealousy of money which we come from this week's parasha and we see in Ephron when he's, when he's asking for 400, it's a ta'ava of money. There's a jealousy of honor which we see with Yosef. A jealousy of of arayot, uh, of, of, of sexual indiscretions, which we see with Esav. And we finally see this 400, which relates to this week's perasha of honor. We also see that Eliyahu Hanavi Zahur Latov, it's very interesting, the gematria here is 400. Eliyahu is Pinhas. Pinhas is the one who fights the Ta'ava. He takes the the uh, the Rama Beyado, and he wipes out the four hundred. We see further. There's a Gemara in Kiddushin. It talks about Rav Papa goes into an oven, goes into an oven to hide from a certain woman who's coming to him. But in that same Gemara, it continues and it tells us Rav Kahana would sell baskets, and those baskets were woven from plain leaves, and he would sell them to women. And he was enticed by a certain noble woman who wanted to have relation with him. So he said to her, you know what? Give me a few minutes. I, I smell of the of the of the of the of the uh, the market of my work. Let me go and let me clean myself and let me get dressed properly and then I'll be with you. And what does he do? He wants to run away so much from the sin, he climbs to the roof. He jumps off the roof to kill himself. Better he should kill himself than, than succumb to the sin. It says that Eliyahu HaNavi came and he caught him. And Eliyahu HaNavi says to Rav Kahana, you troubled me to travel. How much distance? 400 parsag, 400 miles to save you. Rav Kahana said to him, what caused me to be in this situation of temptation? It was the poverty. So what to do? Eliyahu Anavi gave him a basket full of dinars so he wouldn't have to work in the same way anymore. If you fight against the ta'ava of jealousy, if you fight against the ta'ava of indiscretion, if you fight against the ta'ava for someone else's honor, we're learning that Eliyahu Anavi himself will come and he will help you. The Maharasha goes very, very far. And we say, don't try this at home. He says that even if a person has to risk his life, he's told that Eliyahu HaNavi will come and save him. We see the Gemara in Eruvin tells us of Rav Perida. He had a student, it was difficult. Everything he had to teach him, he had to teach him 400 times. And one time Rav Perida was in a rush, he was going to have to go somewhere. And still he taught him 400 times, but the, the student didn't understand. And he said to him, why don't you understand? He said, because I saw you in a rush to go. What did he do, Rav Farida? He said, I'll teach it to you 400 more times. And the rabbis tell us he had a reward, either, either health and happiness and for the B'nai Israel, 400 years. And he was given both. He was given both. We see this, this idea in Ayin Hara is not simply a superstition. We have it, like we mentioned, with Sarah and Hagar. We have it with Yaakov Avinu when he sends his sons to Egypt. 
he tells them each to come into different gates so the Ayin Hara shouldn't fall on them. We see also Shaul HaMelech with regard to David HaMelech. The Gemara is interesting. It tells us that Rabbi Yochanan, <coughs> he said, you know, the story is Rabbi Yochanan used to sit outside the mikveh. And he was a beautiful, beautiful man. And he would say, let the women who leave the mikveh, they should see my face, go have relation with their husband and have children who would tell me, and the rabbis would say, aren't you afraid of Ayin Hara? And he says, no, I'm a descendant of Yosef HaSadiq. Ben Porat Yosef, Ben Porat Ale Ayin. And the Ayin Hara does not affect yeah. our family. But we have halachic ramifications. The Gemara tells us it's forbidden to stand in a neighbor's fields when his crops are fully grown. And Rashi there says, why? Because we don't want to give Ayin Hara. Rabbi Abitan, Zecher Sadiq Levracha, his teacher was Rabbi Eliyahu Dessler. And the rabbi would quote Rabbi Dessler all the time. He was zochet to have him as a teacher in Panovich. And imagine, I always say that we're a student of Rabbi Dessler one step away. He says, where is the justice in a system that causes people to suffer for the jealousies of others? He had sent a letter to his father where he asked this question. And he answers, one person who has what another person lacks is careless and lets the other person see what he has. This causes pain to the other person and his cry goes up to the heavenly court. So generally speaking, Rav Dessler seems to understand Ayin Hara as a kitruk. It's meorer de midat hadin. This is something that, that starts up. You have the Ayin Hara and it makes things go on in heaven. The Mekubalim seem to have a more basic understanding of Ayin Hara. Ayin Hara is an evil force. It's a damaging agent that comes from a jealous look. So the basic defense to Ayin Hara is not to show off. It's to hide your success. My father would always quote the Beracha only comes from that which is hidden, which the rabbis tell us. And it's interesting that, that we could think that if a person feels he has ayin hara, he should hide what he has. Because that's bringing the ayin hara. I think one of the lessons that we have in all of this is that a person has to be sensitive to others. We shouldn't flaunt what we have. Many people yearn to have what others have. And they suffer tremendous pain when they see others casually flaunt those things. True, the first person shouldn't be jealous. But we can't expect everyone to be Sadiq. And what's, what's there, what's a fact, it seems, that divine justice demands retribution for causing this pain to the other person. You know, we often say, Beli ayin hara, Ashkenazim, Kein ayin hara. I think what that is, is a prayer to heaven to say, Hashem, Please don't put on me that I'm looking at this person. Please make sure that whatever forces will not go after and you will protect that person from Ayin Hara. So a basic advice against Ayin Hara is to don't look, don't compare, don't count. You know, my father would always say, don't count the money in your wallet because if you don't count, it could be Barakah, Hashem could expand it. Once you count, you create. 
I remember that uh, Rabbi Yaakov Hillel said that to survive as a Kolel student, you can't really do an accounting. Because when you do an accounting, you're going to see it's impossible. And if you see it's impossible, the only way you're going to be able to do it is that Hashem makes an open miracle. So to make a closed miracle, don't count. Let Hashem do. Let Hashem take care. The idea of, of defending of Ayin Hara is someone who's sameach bechelko. He's happy with what he has. He doesn't compare to someone else. It's interesting, Rabbeinu Yonan, Avot, he, he quotes Rabbi Yehoshua, who says, Ayin Hara means he's not happy with his lot. He looks at his fellow who has more than him, and he says to himself, when is he going to be rich like that guy? And he causes Ra to not to only himself, to himself and the people opposite. So interesting, the Rav Nachman from Breslov, when he discusses the 400 Ra'ayin on Esav, he says something interesting. He says, what is a, uh, a way to uh, protect ourselves? He says it's through snapir, snapir of the fish. Uh, he says the snapir has a gematria of 400. And he says that fish also are, are uh, neged ayin hara. So I guess he would suggest that maybe people hang some of the snapir of the fish from them, and uh, maybe that would be a way to protect uh, from ayin hara. But I think the idea to protect from the ayin hara is to try to see, I'm going to be like Yosef HaSadiq. I'm going to be like Yosef. I'm not going to desire something that's not mine. I'm not going to have an ayin hara. I'm going to create a givul around myself in order to bring blessing and not to bring any negativity to anyone else. I saw something also very interesting. I saw that during a wedding, during a wedding, you know, we have the custom to break the glass. We break the glass when we say that I'm not going to forget Imesh Kach Yerushalayim. I'm not going to forget Jerusalem. I'm going to put it at the head of my joy. This shouldn't be the head. So we break the glass. We break the glass to give us a little aspect of mourning. But I saw interesting that in some way the breaking of the glass is an appeasement of the sitrachra. It's like we say the little piece of bread that we toss to the side for the sitrachra, the water of Mayim Aharonim, the little hair on the, the tefillin, all these are uh, sort of, uh, we're, tossing, uh, we're tossing something to the dog, to the sitrachra, the demons, to ward off potential ayin hara that might come on a happy occasion. It says, and this seems to be, this is the idea of shattering the glass, this is throwing to the sitrachra. But I saw even more important was something amazing. What is the source in the Gemara for breaking the glass at the wedding? The source of breaking the glass at the wedding is brought in Berachot. And it emphasizes we need to temper joy with seriousness. And it, and it cites two wedding-relating stories. Mar, the son of Ravina, made a wedding feast for his son. And when he noticed that the rabbis were excessively jovial, he brought a precious glass cup and shattered it in front of them, and they became sad. What's interesting is the Gemara, I just skipped a little part of it. The Gemara tells us how much the cup was. He brought a precious cup worth the huge sum of 400 zoos and shattered it in front of them. We see this idea of 400 going neged ayin hara. I think also it's interesting, the Ben Yehoyada, Ben Yishchai brings in Ben Yehoyada, that the tzedakah can go against ayin hara. 
the Siddakah 400 can go against it. We see also in the Gemara, there was a case of Rava who coerced Ravi Natan Bar Ami, who was a wealthy man, to donate to charity, and he collected from him 400 dinars. 400. So he should say, maybe the 400 to give should prevent him from getting Ayin Hara. The Gemara relates another incident involving Marukva. Marukva had a pauper in his neighborhood, and each year on Erev Kippur, he would send him 400 dinar. The Gemara in Baba Basra goes further, and it says that there was a woman, her name was Ifera Hirmiz. She was the mother of King Shapur from Persia, and she would send each year 400, 400 zoos to Rava, to, to Rav Ami. And Rabbi Ami wouldn't take them. He didn't want a ayin hara. What Rava accepted them. And Rav Ami said, why would you accept them? It's a negativity. But Rava said he had to do it for the sake of peace of the kingdom. So interesting that we always see this idea of 400, 400, 400, 400. 400 again and again and again. We have to know this idea of 400, even the khamseh, whatever we're going to call it. We have to remember. This is the aspect of Ayin Hara. We have to be able to not have Ayin Hara. Don't be jealous of these three aspects of jealousy. We protect ourselves. When a person has a Tov Ayin, like we say, Yevorach, Yevorach, he's blessed, he will bring blessing. The rabbi always told us the greatest defense against anyone with Ayin Hara is Ayin Tov. Ayin Tov is something we always have to be. We always have to have this ayin tov. We see Yosef HaSadiq, he creates the gavul, he doesn't take credit. He gives credit to Hashem, he gives credit to others. He's always, always, always working against this ayin hara, and he's the one who brings blessing to the world. Now when I told this 400, it was interesting. I told the 400 class, it was on the Shabbat of Parashat Lech Lecha, which happened to be the 11th of Cheshvan. And the question comes, the 11th of Cheshvan is the yard site of Rachel Imenu. And we know that people all over wear this red string that they associate with Rachel Imenu. Neged Ayin Hara. You know, we have all these things that people hang, hang in, the, in, the, in the car, uh, something. So, so I, I saw something, uh, someone mentioned that someone, people sometimes, they put the dollar bills in their car, Neged Ayin Hara. It's interesting. I looked at the dollar bill. If you look at a dollar bill, you'll see on the dollar bill a pyramid, and on top of the pyramid, you'll see an eye. It's possible that this eye represents the eye of the god Ra, of the Egyptian god Ra. Now this eye of Ra represents the eye of the the female aspect of Ra, which is there to protect the male aspect of Ra. So even if our own dollars, we have this idea of the ayin, the eye of Ra, ayin Ra 400, relating to Egypt, relating to this whole thing of ayin Ra, crazy. But go back to the red string. People wear the red string, just to close with this, I, I think I posted a class on this once, but just to close, we, we wear the, people wear the red string, and where do we, we get the red string? We get the red string from Kever Rachel. Now, does the red string work to protect Ayin Hara? Rabbi Beryl Wine tells a story about a Yankee baseball player. Uh, his, his name was Mike Pagliarillo. Mike Pagliarillo, he was uh, going to be the guy after Mickey Mantle, the hero of the Yankees. 
But first year comes in spring training, breaks his ankle. Second year, he breaks his leg. Third year, comes to spring training and they say, Mike, what's going to be? And Mike says, this year is going to be different. Why, Mike? How do you know you're not going to have a trouble in spring training? Ruin your whole season. He says, my grandmother came back from Sicily and she brought me and he shows in the press conference the red string. The red string. I say red string. So I remember that when I first got married, I was with my wife. We were in, uh, we, she took me to Kever Rachel. And in those days, Kever Rachel is much smaller. There wasn't the whole building. There wasn't a whole rigamajig. And we were, were very few people there. And a lady gave her a, a bunch of red string and told her to, that the two of us should circle the Kever with this red string. And we literally circled the Kever, I on one side, handing it to her on the other side, Again, it was before they built the whole building there. And you literally could circle the whole, uh, the, 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 inside, the, inside the, the, the tomb that's inside the building. And we did it seven times, and that was it. And that was going to be the red, the red bendel. Why could the red bendel have any aspect? Where is the source of it? If we wear this red string, and we think of Rachel Imenu, and we think of the behavior of Rachel Imenu. Let's think for a second. We're going to see in the next weeks where Yaakov Avinu, he goes to, to Haran and he makes a deal to marry Rachel. And the night of the wedding, what happens is Lavan comes and switches Rachel with Leah. Now, Rachel has a way to come up the whole thing. If she keeps her mouth shut and doesn't give her sister the simanim, Yaakov will realize he'll stop the wedding, it'll be over, and she'll be able to marry Yaakov. But she doesn't want to embarrass her sister. And what is she willing to do? Give her sister the signs. And what does that mean? Why did Leah cry her whole life? Because Leah thought she was going to marry Esav. Now, if Leah marries Yaakov, it means that Rachel potentially will marry Esau. So she's giving her sister her husband and she's giving away her whole life and her whole future in order not to allow her sister to be embarrassed. There's no jealousy in Rachel. There's no jealousy in Rachel. She has Ayin Tov. If we could look at the string for those who want to wear the string, and think of the string of the story of Rachel, and that the only way to protect from Ayin is not to wear a string, but it's to remember the behavior of Rachel, and that which she gave over to her son Yosef, to have an Ayin Tov, to not be jealous. This is the greatest way to protect ourselves from Ayin May we all be protected. May we all be a blessing. May we all be a source of blessing. And may we all be the one with the good eye who should be able to bless and who should be able to be blessed. Shabbat shalom, everybody. See you next week.